Acts chapter number 14 this morning. Acts chapter number 14. We're going to be continuing to look here in the book of Acts. Boy, I tell you what, there is just so much, so much here. And I, I just, just share, share myself. I, I believe it's good to be transparent every now and then. And I'm teaching through the book of Acts and... You're like, well, Pastor John, you know, he just, next chapter, next chapter, and he's just rolling through. No, I, I sought the Lord this week. And I'm like, Lord, I mean, we're teaching through the book of Acts, but is there somewhere else I need to go? Is there something else I need to do? And the Lord's like, no, there's, there's a message there. There's, there's where I want you. And I come back to Acts 14, and I'm working on the message, and I'm like, Lord, you, you sure? I mean, I was, I was reading in Nehemiah yesterday, reading the book of Nehemiah and just my daily devotions. I'm like, boy, there's some powerful preaching here in Nehemiah. I mean, there's some good stuff. Whenever I was uh, selecting the passage that I was going to read this morning, there from the book of Colossians, I'm like, my, Lance, there's some preaching in Colossians. Lord, you sure? You sure you don't want me in Nehemiah? You sure you don't want me in Colossians? The Lord, like, no. We're in Acts today. We're back in Acts. And so you know what? You say, Pastor John just picks us a book and he just goes through it because that's easy for him. No, no, no. We search the we seek the Lord. We seek the Lord. We seek the Lord. Where would you have us be? What would you have us do? And you know what? There's a little truth about this book. Now I know that there's I know that there is truth in the aspect that we need to seek the Lord. And not at all am I taking away from that. But everything in this book is good. And if I'm proclaiming what's in this book, uh, it's going to help us. And so, you know, you say, well, why is he preaching there? What's he, why is he preaching there? If it's coming out of here, it's going to help us. And so I'm telling you what, it's just, I'm, I'm just full up this morning. Hey, man, we'll try to get settled down here and preach. Acts chapter number 14, Acts chapter number 14, continuing looking through the book of Acts. And much of the rest of the book of Acts focuses on the spread of the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world. We're looking at Paul's missionary journeys. We're still looking at his first missionary journey. And as we look at these accounts of Paul going and spreading the gospel, we see many practical truths uh, that can be made to our lives concerning our work for the Lord uh, and our propagation of the gospel. Here in Acts chapter number 14, we're reading of Paul and Barnabas and how they left Antioch of Pisidia and they went into Iconium. And at the end of chapter number 13, if you remember, uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas had been thrown out of Antioch and Pisidia. They had been there preaching and teaching uh, and uh, the many people were getting saved. Some Jews were getting saved. Many Gentiles were getting saved. But the religious leaders did not lie the message that Paul and Barnabas were preaching. And so at the end of chapter number 13, they threw them out. They didn't want them there anymore. And so the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas, and I love this testimony, they left Antioch full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, they were wound up. They were fired up. They had just got expelled from the city, but it wasn't stopping them. And they went into the next town to Iconium and began again preaching and teaching that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of of the world. And so we're going to look here in chapter number 14, verse 1 through 7, and we're going to look at what took place uh, while Paul and Barnabas were there in Iconium. The Bible says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. 
And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it's good to be in your house. And Lord, I thank you that I'm a part of the family of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you planted me here at Marlbrook Baptist Church. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you, dear Lord, uh, for, the, for the spirit uh, of, Lord, of, Christian, of Christian love and of fellowship. And Lord, I thank you for our closeness. I thank you, dear Lord, that you've made us a family that can come together and can worship together and can exalt you together and Lord I thank you for these people and I thank you for this church and Father I pray that you will bless in the service this morning Lord as we've come uh, to your house Lord seeking you Father I pray that there will be help found in the service Lord I pray that our hearts will be encouraged I pray dear Lord that our hearts will be challenged I pray dear Lord that we will have in ourselves a desire to serve you uh, Lord to the best of our, pos- uh, of our possibilities thank you Lord for your goodness bless now I pray bless in the service tonight. I pray, dear Lord, that you bless Brother Brant and his family as they come and sing for us. And Lord, I pray that you'll bring folks out. And Lord, that you'll just meet with us, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless now in your word. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, we see several elements uh, of effective ministry. We see several things uh, that Paul and Barnabas did that I believe uh, helped them to have an effective ministry as they traveled and shared the gospel. Uh, And I believe many of these things that they did can be applied to our lives and to our work of the ministry that we are doing today. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and look at some of the things that were evident uh, in the ministry ministry of Paul and Barnabas and then look at ourselves and say, how are we doing in these areas and how can we grow in these areas that the Lord will enable us to be effective in what he has called us as a church to accomplish. And so we want to take a little bit of time and look at that this morning. The first thing that we see here in verse number one, whenever we begin to look at these elements of effective ministry, the first thing that I see is in verse number one where we see that Paul and Barnabas were working together in unity. Paul and Barnabas were working together in unity. It says, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude of both the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. What do we see here? We see two men of God working together for the cause of Christ. You know, unless we are together, there is very little little that we can accomplish for the cause of Christ. We see here that Paul and Barnabas left Antioch. Paul and Barnabas went into Iconium and they both together went into the Lord's house and they began to teach there in the synagogues the truth of the word of God. They were working together. They were united. If we are going to be effective in our ministry, the first thing that I believe has to be in place is that we must be united 
in what we're trying to accomplish. If we ever tried to accomplish something and two people were working together on a project and they had completely different ideas about how it was supposed to be done and they began to try and accomplish the project, if you watch you will notice that they spend more time arguing than they do working and many times at the end of the day very little progress has been made. Why? Because they were not united in what they were doing. Whenever it comes to the things of the Lord and it comes to His house and serving the Lord in His house, a church is not effective if the church is not united. We have to have the same heart. We have to have the same goals. We have to have the same purpose. We have to have the same mindset. We have to be trying to accomplish the same thing. If there's a group of people over here who wants to think that the church is just a clubhouse and it's just a place where everybody and you know and our friends, we meet here and, and this is our thing, us four no more. And over here's a group of people who want to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. These two ideals aren't going to work together we're going to find a church that can't move forward because when these people bring in visitors, uh, these people are complaining and grumbling uh, that it's upsetting what they enjoy uh, and the church will never move forward for the cause of Christ. Paul and Barnabas was united in what they were trying to accomplish and I believe if we're going to have an effective ministry, we must be united the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 3, verse 24 and 25, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If we're going to be effective for the cause of Christ, we must have a united ministry. And we must be wary of the devil's tactics to divide us. Because, boy, I'm telling you what, he knows that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And the devil is, doesn't waste any time trying to get inside the church house and cause discord and cause discontent and cause contention in the church house that will divide the church house. And once it becomes divided, it cannot move forward. We must do our best. We must work. We must strive. We must endeavor to be a church that is united. Brother Ted, if somebody comes to you and they start talking bad about Brother Lewis, you can't listen to them. Brother Lewis, if somebody's talking bad to you about Brother Randy, you shut it down. You shut it down. We must be united. We are a people that just love to run our mouths and run our mouths and run our mouths. And once they get started, a lot of times they go places they should have never been. If we're going to accomplish anything for the work of God, we must be a church that is united. We could preach all day on unity, but let's move on. In verse 2 and 3, we see that not only was Paul and Barnabas united, but we see in verse 2 and 3 that they practiced and demonstrated perseverance. They demonstrated perseverance. The Bible says there in verse 2 and 3, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. So we see that there's some problems happening. Some people have been saved, but we see that some problems are happening. Again, the Jews are stirring people up and turning them against Paul and Barnabas. But look at the first phrase of verse number 3. Long time, therefore, abode they. 
Now that is not the next sentence that you would expect to read. That's not the next phrase you would expect to see. In verse number 2 we see that there's some problems. In verse number 2 we see that there's some contention being started. In verse number 2 we see there's some people stirring up and telling lies on Paul and Barnabas and stirring up problems about Paul and Barnabas. And verse number 3 says, So they stayed. Not what you'd, not what you'd expect to see. But I want to say that if we were going to have an effective ministry, we must have some perseverance. We must be willing to put up with some hardship. And you know what? That hardship may come in the form of some people running their mouths about what the church is doing. That hardship may come in the form of a worldwide pandemic and we're unsure how we're supposed to cope with it. That, that trouble may come from many different avenues. But when it comes, we as the church of God, if we're going to be effective, must be willing to persevere. We must be willing to hang in there. We must be willing to keep at it. We must be willing to keep on keeping on. We must be willing to keep on proclaiming, keep on teaching. Keep on reaching. It's what God's called us to do. We must be willing to persevere. We find much in the Word of God concerning the importance of perseverance. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse number 13, we find an exhortation for us to persevere as Christians. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we find an encouragement to persevere. First, we see that we're exhorted to persevere. Now we see that we're encouraged to persevere. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is an encouragement to stay in the work because we know that if we're in the work of the Lord. Our labor is not wasted. Our labor is not in vain. Our efforts have not gone to the sideline. Oh, if we stay in the work of the Lord, our labor is not in vain. We're exhorted to persevere. We're encouraged to persevere. And in Hebrews 12, 3, we find an example of perseverance. The Bible says there in Hebrews 12, 3, speaking about our Savior, for consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. We see here that we are exhorted to persevere. We're encouraged to persevere. And then we see in the Lord Jesus Christ an example of someone who stayed the course despite the hardships for us. And then we see in Galatians 6, 9 that there is a reward for those that stay in the work of the Lord despite the trouble going on around them. In Galatians 6, 9 the Bible says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. You're like, well, Pastor John, that's some powerful good preaching. And we hope that you do that. We hope that you stay in the fight, Pastor John. Boy, Pastor John, that's some good preaching. We hope that you don't give up. We hope, Pastor John, that you keep on reaching our community for us. We hope, Pastor John, that you keep on serving the Lord. We're praying for you, Pastor John, that you'll persevere. That's some good preaching for you, Pastor John. Well, I got news for you this morning. Although I'm listening, I'm not preaching to me. I'm preaching to you. And you know what? A lot of times, Christians fall in the rut 
of not doing anything for God. You find a comfortable place and you get in that comfortable place and you never do anything for God. Let me just tell you this morning, as I'm preaching this message about persevering, I'm not talking about me persevering. I'm saying, are you going to stay faithful in the work of the Lord? I'm saying, are you going to stay involved in the work of the Lord? I'm saying, are you going to put your hands to the task? Are you going to come to the church house whenever it's inconvenient? Are you going to be faithful to support the ministries of the church, although it disrupts your schedule? Are you going to be faithful to be involved in the things of God? Are you going to do your part to make sure that Marlbrook Baptist Church is making an impact in the community? Are you going to put your hands to the task? Are you going to put your feet to the plow? Are you going to work? That's what we're talking about this morning. If a ministry is going to be effective, everybody has to be involved. You know what I believe that whenever God saves somebody, He enlists them in the service of the Lord. I believe that every Christian ought to be individually involved in the work of the Lord. And if you're not, you are missing out on what God has for you. I believe everybody ought to have a job. Everybody ought to have something that they do. Everybody ought to have something that they contribute to the work of the Lord. Are you going to persevere and keep going on and keep serving and keep being faithful? Are you going to persevere. Effective ministry must have perseverance. But not only uh, should we be united and not only should we be willing to persevere, but I find in verse number 3 that not only were they persevering, but I find here that Paul and Barnabas were not ashamed or embarrassed of what they believed. But we see here in verse number 3 that instead they preached with boldness. And I believe an effective ministry must be a ministry that has some boldness in what it stands for. In verse number 3 it says, Speaking boldly in the Lord. They stayed for a while and what they do when they stayed, they continued to speak boldly in the Lord. You know what? Many times I think that we tend to become quiet about what the Bible says is true. Whenever the devil begins to stir up some people and the devil begins to stir up some adversity and the devil begins to stir up some things that are counter what the Word of God teaches and our society begins to proclaim and follow things that are against what the Word of God says, many Christians fall quiet about what the Bible says. But you know what? I believe that if a ministry is going to be effective, we have got to be people who are willing to boldly proclaim what the Word of God says. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being hateful. I'm not talking about being belligerent. But I am talking about saying this is what the Bible says and I'm not changing my mind. This is what the Bible teaches uh, and we're not changing. This is what the Bible says is true uh, and it's what we're living by. It's what the Bible says we ought to do and therefore it's what we're going to do. Uh, we need to be people uh, who stand on the Word of God and who boldly say the reason I'm living my life, uh, the way that I'm living my life uh, is because it's what the Bible says uh, and I want to live a life uh, that is honorable to God. I believe a lot of Christians though fail uh, to proclaim uh, why they live the way they live uh, because they're embarrassed about it. They're 
ashamed of it and they don't want people to make fun of them for believing an old ancient book. But let me tell you, we need to get over that and start boldly declaring the reason I believe this way, the reason I stand this way, the reason I preach this way, the reason we do what we do is because it's what the Bible says and you're never going to change my mind about it. There's a lot of things that come out and a lot of education that's available and you may find out that you've been doing something wrong your whole life. Maybe some way you've been taking care of your automobile or the way you've been raising your garden or the way you fix mashed potatoes, whatever it is. You watch a, you watch a YouTube video and you're like, I've been mashing my taters wrong my whole life. You might find something that you realize you've been doing it wrong. And when you realize you've been doing it wrong, if you're a wise man, you'll change and improve. But whenever it comes to the principles of this book, I'm closed-minded. And whenever somebody tries to tell me that what's written in this book no longer applies today, I tell them that they're the ones that's wrong and if they would apply this book, it would improve their life, it would improve the world, it would improve their family, that I'm not wrong for following the book, I'm not old-fashioned, I'm up-to-date, I'm in connection with the Creator and the ruler of the universe and you're not going to change my mind, I'm going to stand boldly on the Word of God. We need Christians who aren't ashamed to stand boldly on the Word of God. I've went through a lot of different Bibles in my day, and I have a lot of Bibles. I like Bibles. I just love a good Bible. But there for a while I went through a time period when I wanted a small, compact Bible. And if you carry a small, compact Bible, I'm not at all picking on you. You use whatever Bible suits you. But I wanted something small and compact and easy to carry, fit in my pocket, go in the truck, and I still have small, compact Bibles. But recently... I've been wanting my Bibles to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't want to no longer carry my pocket New Testament when I go to the hospital. I want to carry the biggest Bible I got. Because I want them to know that this fella is carrying a book that he believes in and he's not ashamed of and he's willing to stand on it. And if we talk to that guy, there's a good chance he's going to be talking about the Bible because he wouldn't bother carrying one that big unless he was planning on using it. You know what? You can carry a pocket New Testament or a huge Bible, whatever you want. The illustration I'm making is we need to start being bold about the Word of God and quit letting this world beat us in a corner where we're ashamed and embarrassed to say, I believe in the truth of the Word of God. Some boldness. I had some things here about boldness, but I'm nearly out of time. We've got to move on. We'll preach another sermon on boldness later and we'll use them subpoints then. Next thing that we see here. In verse 31, excuse me, not 31, verse 3, not only did they have boldness, but we also see that Paul and Barnabas lived an example. You know, it's been said that you can change people with the words that you speak, but you'll be far more effective if you live what you preach. Now, I can put together a good presentation and I can show you facts and statistics and I can convince you with my words only, but I will be far more effective if I'm living what I'm preaching. We see here that Paul and Barnabas was bold in what they preached, but we see here in the last part of verse number 3 that not only did they preach it, but they lived it. In the last part of verse number 3 it says, "...which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done 
by their hands. We see here that Paul and Barnabas lived what they preached. Now, I just spent several minutes telling you about the importance of being bold about the Word of God. But don't you dare. Don't you dare lay one of these on your desk or carry one to work with you and tell everybody you believe it and then at break time tell dirty jokes and use filthy language and do things that's unbecoming of a child of God. Leave your Bible at home, please. We don't need that kind of representation. If you're going to say you believe it and you ought to say you believe it, if you're going to say you live by it and you ought to live by it, then let's make sure that our example proclaims who we are. We ought to be the type of people that before they see our Bible, they know we live by it. We ought to be the type of people that if somebody's looking for an answer from the Word of God, you're the person they're going to seek out. Live the example. Live the example. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 12 that we are to be an example of the believer. What's that mean? Well, you ever, ever go to store, I enjoy camping and hiking and these type of things, and you go to the outfitter store where they sell tents and sleeping bags and so forth and so on, and sitting on the shelf will be a tent, and it's about this big. It's identical to the one in the package, it's just not as big. It's an example of what's in the package. Identical, perfect. I mean, everything about it, it's just smaller. It's an example of what the tent looks like. And you can see all sorts of things like that, whatever it is that you like shopping for, you'll see the example. Sometimes you'll get to sales paper, and in the sales paper there'll be photographs of what it is you're wanting to buy. It's an example. It shows you exactly what it looks like. Timothy said, Paul told Timothy that we're to be an example of the believer. What's that mean? That means when the lost world looks at you, they are to see exactly what a believer is supposed to look like. You ever heard somebody make this statement? Well, I mean, I, I just, I'm not interested in... If, if those people are Christians, I don't want no part of it. Sounds to me like there was a bad example. We're to be an example of the believer. He told Timothy, he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word. What's that? That's my speech. In conversation, what's that? My lifestyle, the way that I live. Uh, in charity, that's my love towards others. In spirit, oh, this is a good one. That's my attitude. Be an example of the believer in faith, in purity. We are to be an example of the believer, but it, Titus 2, verse 7 and 8, Paul's talking to Titus, another young preacher, and he tells Titus, he says, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Uh, we are to be an example of the believer. We're to have a pattern. The pattern of our life is to be one that follows after good works. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, uh, uh, Paul instructed that our lives uh, are to be uh, a pathway to Christ. He said, be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. You know, oftentimes we use the cop out. Uh, we will say, don't follow me, follow Jesus. Uh, uh, don't follow me. Uh, you just you follow Jesus. And it's good to point people to Jesus. Uh, but Paul said, you can follow me because I guarantee you, I am going to be following Jesus. 
What kind of example ought we to be? We ought to be the kind of people that says you can follow me because I am going to follow Jesus. And you know what? Whenever you have a group of people following you, it makes you toe the line a little bit harder. It makes you make sure that you're not slipping up, that you're not being lax, but that you're being faithful because you are following the Lord Jesus Christ and others are allowing you to be their pathway to Christ. You say, well, there's nobody following me. You're wrong. There's more people than you realize looking at you, watching you, and patterning their life after you. Be an example of the believer. Be someone who others can follow and find their way to Christ. As we continue looking at this account, we see that the circumstances in the city got worse. And Although they were persevering early on, now has come a time that Paul and Barnabas have to make some difficult decisions. And here they displayed another element of effective ministry, which is wisdom. I believe all effective ministries must display an element of wisdom. It says in verse 4 down through verse number 6, But the multitude of the city was divided, part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they, Paul and Barnabas, were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, unto the region that lieth round about. You say, now hang on, Pastor John, a minute ago they were supposed to persevere. Now they're pulling out. What, what, what's going on with this? I believe they displayed wisdom. You know what? There's a time to persevere and there's a time to move on. The Bible, or the Lord told the apostles in the book of Matthew, He said, if they, if they won't listen to your teaching, it's time to move on. We see they displayed some wisdom. We see earlier it had been time to persevere, now it was time to depart. Earlier there had been division, but there hadn't been any violence yet. Uh, and but now we see uh, that there's a possibility that there's going to be some violence, uh, uh, there's possibly going to be some death. Uh, and at this point, Paul and Barnabas uh, decided that the wisest thing they could do would be move to another city. You see, they have been there for a while. They've been preaching for a while. A church has been planted. Young Christians are growing. Uh, the work has been established. Uh, and there is much work to be done. And so if they were to continue to stay and keep preaching, uh, violence is about to break out. A very good chance Paul and Barnabas would be killed. Very good chance it would disrupt this infant church uh, uh, that was just getting off the ground. And so Paul and Barnabas said, uh, we have persevered, but we're also using some wisdom. My dad used to always make the statement, uh, he'd say, that young man has zeal, but no knowledge. You know, we've got to be careful uh, uh, that we discern between zeal uh, and knowledge. And Paul and Barnabas said uh, we have come to a point uh, where we can better further the cause of Christ uh, by moving on to another city. They displayed some wisdom. You know what? Uh, many times in the work of the Lord there must be an element of wisdom. There is always uh, decisions to be made. There are always... Uh, plenty of opinions. There are always many things that we have to determine. What are we going to do? How are we going to address this? How are we going to handle this? Should we start this ministry? Should we do this? And all kind of decisions must be made. And if we're going to have an effective ministry, we need to have wisdom in how we go about serving the Lord. There's a few things we can do to access this wisdom. The Bible says in James chapter number 1 and verse number 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You know what? I think it's embarrassing. I know this is true of me. Maybe y'all a lot better. 
I think it's embarrassing how many decisions we make without asking God about it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And he'll tell you. I'm trying to get better and better and better about it. I mean, I, I try to ask the Lord when I'm trying to decide which wrench to buy, which one of these is better. And you know what? He'll tell you. He, he'll let you know. He you say, you're crazy. Try it. Just try it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally. He's got plenty of it. He's not going to run out and upbraideth not. How do I get wisdom? First, I ask of God. Secondly, I can get wisdom by acquiring it from others. You know what? I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for the men in this church. And it is a joy to me as a pastor to work with the deacons and the other leaders of this church. And boy, I tell you what, if I could just take a moment from the message and say, men, I appreciate you. I appreciate your willingness, your faithfulness, your, your dedication to the ministry, your heart to seek God. I'm telling you what, it's tremendous. And I love working with men like that. But you know what? I sat down the other day. We had a deacons meeting a couple weeks ago. And I sat down with the men. And I said, here is a situation. I said, and it can go this way or it can go this way. And to be honest with you, I don't have a clue which one's best. What do y'all think? And you know what? We gained some wisdom and we made a decision. And I believe with all my heart we made the right decision. Why? Because if you need wisdom, we can ask of God. If you need wisdom, you can acquire it from others. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 11 and verse number 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We need to be people who acquire wisdom from others. Not only do we talk to the deacons and leadership of this church, but we talk to other pastors. We talk to other people who are involved in the ministry. We talk to other people. Uh, here at May the uh, second, we're going to have or, yeah May the second, we're going to have Brother Eddie Aliff here with us on Sunday night uh, from uh, Virginia Assembly of Independent Baptists, talking about some things that's going on in our county and in our schools and helping us to understand that. How do we get wisdom? How do we run a ministry effectively? We ask God for wisdom. We acquire wisdom from others. But then we can get wisdom by applying the Word of God. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. What's it do? It makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. How do we get wisdom? We apply the Word of God. And then the final the final element of effective ministry that we see here in this passage that was demonstrated by Paul and Barnabas is found in verse number 7 where we see that even in the face of persecution, even in the face of someone wanting to take their life, they demonstrated faithfulness. We see that the decision was made that they needed to move on. The decision was made that they needed to go into another town, that it would be best for the church, it would be best for the people, it would be best for the furtherance of the gospel to move on, and so they moved on. But they weren't daunted by the persecution. This is the second city that they've got thrown out of. This is the second time they got kicked out. The last time they left, they were full of the Holy Ghost. This time they left, and they landed in Lystra and Derby, and the Bible says, and there they preached the gospel. You know, 
know what? As we go through this life as Christians, uh, we're going to encounter problems. Uh, we're going to encounter bumps in the road. Uh, we're going to encounter trials. Uh, we're going to encounter situations that we don't know the answer to. Uh, but regardless of what is going on around us, uh, one thing that we must do uh, if we're going to be effective uh, in reaching the world with the truth of the Word of God uh, is we must continue to be faithful to tell the world about a Savior uh, who can take away their sin. We must be faithful to continue proclaiming the Word of God. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Paul and Barnabas had to move on. That didn't stop them from proclaiming the Word of God. We must be willing to press on. We must be determined to keep on keeping on for the cause of Christ. We must purpose in our heart, I will be faithful. You know, a lot of times our faithfulness hinges upon the faithfulness of others. There's way too many tragic stories of pastors, and I'm not at all putting myself on a pedestal above these other men. I'm flesh just like they are, and if I don't stay close to God and in tone with God, I could fall just like they did. There's too many tragic stories of people who were so following their pastor. And when he fell, they ceased to be faithful. There's too many people that look at one another and when the church is growing and the church is booming and the seats are full, everybody's excited and everybody's going and everybody's serving. But when people begin to lay out and the attendance begins to drop and people cease to be faithful to the house of God like they ought to be, many times we'll see other people uh, begin to lose faith uh, because they're relying on others. You know what? If you're going to be faithful in the work of God, it's something you've got to do individually. It's something you've got a purpose in your heart. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. It doesn't matter if somebody I esteem. It doesn't matter if someone is attacking me. It doesn't matter what is going on. I myself personally will stay faithful to the work of the Lord. Proverbs 20 and verse number 6 said, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find Psalm 12, 1, David cried out to God and he said, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. If we're going to have an effective ministry, we need people who determine that they will be faithful to support the work of the Lord. This morning, if we're going to be effective, if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to reach our community, there's some things we need to practice. We look at the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, and we see that this effective gospel ministry was united. They were willing to persevere in the face of difficulty. They were bold in proclaiming the Word of God. They were an example of what a believer ought to look like. They were wise in the decisions that they made, and they were faithful in their service. This morning, if we, Marlbrook Baptist Church, are going to be effective, I believe we need to apply these principles to our own lives, and to our church, that we too can be effective in sharing the gospel. I'm going to ask each of you to stand. Miss Debbie's going to come, begin playing on the piano. <clears throat> As Miss Debbie comes to get ready to play, I want to ask you this question. Are you contributing to the ministry? Are you involved in the work of the Lord? Are you putting your hand to the task? We're involved in a lot of things. We invest our money and our energy in a lot of things. I'm asking you, 
Are you invested in this work? Are you doing your part to see that the work of God goes forth? Are you doing your part to call those who aren't here? Say, where are you at? Are you doing your part to witness to that lost person at your job and tell them the truth of the Word of God? Are you doing your part? Are you invested in the work of the Lord? Are you willing to persevere? Are you willing to proclaim? Are you living a life that is an example of the believer? Are you going to be faithful no matter what comes? This morning, as Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come and say, Lord, help me to be someone that makes this ministry effective.